Hi, this is John. I'm the co-founder of Cosmos School and welcome to the second episode of our podcast, Cosmos with a K. Today I'm sitting here in beautiful Zurich, Switzerland with my good friend and COO of Points, Nikki Ecker. We're going to talk about a lot of topics today, but I think some interesting ones are definitely vocational education, um, which is super common here in Switzerland. Um, and then alternative school models such as the Montessori school and also the importance of long-term thinking and how we can teach long-term thinking to kids starting at a young age. Have fun. I'm here in Zurich, Switzerland um, with my good friend Nikki from Points. Um, in the next hour we'll talk a little bit about education and VR um, but before we get to that, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, yeah, born and raised in Zurich, um, background in business. So um, I studied um, business here in Zurich as well and um, then got into entrepreneurship, um, did my, my own projects and, and tried and failed <laughs> and then uh, somehow started um, um, to grow a startup called Points, as you said. It's uh, focusing on small and mid-cap businesses here in Switzerland. And we try to make it happen for them to make marketing, like to do marketing successfully. So it's a loyalty um, app. It was a loyalty app in the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then it developed more and more in a um, key turn solution for all marketing um, that the business needs. And uh, I do the sales and operations there. Um, now we're like around 30 people. Um, I'm pretty happy with uh, how, how all things go. I'm also interested in philosophy and, and as I know you as a good friend, I'm also interested in, uh, in education and um, f I found VR interesting and, and uh, I think it's a fascinating technology for the future. So I have to be here and, and talk about it a bit. Cool. So, um, so um, just for the listeners to understand, so, so points, um, I can I just give a use case how points works so that they know exactly sure. what's, what's it about? Sure. So imagine um, a local shop, let's say, sells uh, sandwiches or it's just like a takeaway and, and uh, mm -hmm. it wants to somehow do all the most the, the important, the important things in marketing. Mm -hmm. So retaining customers, so they come back and he can make more money with existing customers. Mm -hmm. We solve that, that problem with a loyalty card, like the punch cards that you, you might know. So mm -hmm. 10 times a sandwich, 11 for free, right. this, kind of, this kind of things. Um, and then, of course, also has the need to, to communicate and send messages. Let's, let's stick with the example and say it wants to uh, um, launch a new sandwich. So it wants to communicate that to its loyal users. So yeah. what, what the business owner can do is send a message to all the loyalty card users he has. So let's say mm -hmm. 100 people have this loyalty card. So you can send a message to them, informing them about the new, the new uh, sandwich that he just launched. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third thing is gaining new customers. So he also wants to attract new customers that don't know yet that he exists. So he can post coupons and deals, Groupon-like deals mm -hmm. um, in the app as well. So 50% discount and two sandwiches, let's say. Mm -hmm. So you can post that into the app, like in the community. Mm -hmm. So all the other businesses that also use points as a loyalty card, um, they also track their customers and they see then these coupon kind of deals. So in the end, we are, we are a platform combining all these things, loyalty card uh, messaging to, to customers and, and uh, the, the coupon like deals. So cool. It's... Okay. 
just to you know to get a sense of your scale can you talk a little bit about how many businesses and users you have sure so I think a lot of people from the US might might listen in so it's it's important to give a context yeah <laughs> um, Switzerland has about eight million um, people living here so so uh, we have about half a million users um, and and a mm-hmm. hundred thousand active users every month mm-hmm. um, and we have about 1,400 locations using points in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And among these, like small companies, but also McDonald's in Switzerland uses points with all its locations. Right. Uh, we cool. have micro, like this is like maybe the same as Walmart in, in, in the yeah. US, also using points as a loyalty card. So some big names in there. As well, yeah, this gives uh, traction and and reach, of course. And, and the small businesses can also profit from this, this reach, yeah. Pretty cool. So... Um... Just as a disclaimer, Nikki is um, an angel investor in Cosmos School, so that just to make that clear. <laughs> um, the first, actually. Yeah. Yeah. What an opportunity! Yeah, yeah. It was it was nice <laughs> when you reached out to me, because I really believed in the idea from the beginning, and uh, I thought it was visionary. It still is, but I think when was it? Like half a year ago, or a year ago. Yeah. Um, right. It seemed even more as as a as a nice vision. So a lot of people maybe didn't even understand what, what it meant. And uh, so I found, because I also know you and, and the co-founder Dorena, so I also believe in, in, in the team and that you can make that happen. And that's, that's a cool thing to invest in. Thanks. Um, cool. Um, so let's see. Um, let's um, talk about education. But first you said you had, um, before joining Points, you had a, like a project yourself. <laughs> what was that about? Oh, wow. Like a little um, startup or... Yeah, I mean, the first thing actually was a, a consulting a consulting business. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a business. It was an idea. <laughs> I just felt that with a 19, I had an edge on, on something. Um, so I tried to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, not really um, consistent. What kind of uh, consulting? Like marketing? Yeah, it was sales? marketing and sales okay. as well. And then actually, I, I joined a friend of mine called, called Donny. Yeah, he's a mutual uh, friend. <laughs> Daniel Abebe, exactly. Um, he, he just founded uh, another startup here in Switzerland. Um, and back then, he originally came up with the idea to, to match uh, DJs with uh, event locations and, uh, and maybe people who have a wedding and looking for a DJ. Yeah. So he came up with that idea um, and we talked about it. So I joined him um, and we pushed that uh, for, for about maybe half a year or, or a year. And then decided to, to stop it because we didn't reach the KPIs we set for ourselves. Um, and we also got engaged in other stuff, in other startups. Actually, I, I started with points back then as mm-hmm. well. like At the same time? At the same time. Um, and then we decided to, to stop it. Yeah. yeah. What was like the main challenge, like the main key I, point that didn't work? I think we realized that we were not as passionate as we thought we were in the beginning about mm-hmm. the main topic or the problem that we tried to solve. Yeah. So with the first DJ who got booked... And, and then didn't come back to the event location who wanted him. Um, we reached out to him like, hey, can you please accept this, this booking, yeah. etc. And he didn't. And then, I mean, this is the first challenge that we had. And then we <laughs> felt like, ah, we didn't really connect with the DJ. We started to complain about him and, and whatever. So we kind of felt, okay, this, if this is our passion, we would be so happy and, and, and try to push it forward. So we, we decided to, to let it go. Okay. So passion is important, I think. It definitely is. Uh, definitely is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's super important if you're building a company. Um, all right. So um, let's talk a little bit about education. Um, you, yourself, can you tell us a little bit about how you were educated? 
Um, yeah, so I mean, the, 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 the system in Switzerland works a bit different. We have about six years of primary school and then three years of like high school, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go study or you can do like an on-job education. Like an apprenticeship, it, yeah, right. like an yeah. apprenticeship program. But then you're like, you have a diploma here in Switzerland as well and you can work as a, whatever it is that you, yeah. you wanted to. Um, so I started off in a bank, in a Swiss bank after primary and high school. I, I started cliche. off in a bank. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, actually I, 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 I uh, was pretty much into sports. So I uh, was educated also in a, in a sport kind of school. It's called United School of Sports and a lot of sport talent come together. Um, it's four years, so like two years of school and then two years of, uh, of practical education. Mm-hmm. And you have to apply um, with any company. And I uh, was able to get into Credit Suisse. And so I did like two, two years of additional school and then two years of apprenticeship program at Credit Suisse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then stayed there for about another, what was it, um, two years after my education. Mm-hmm. Worked in private banking mm-hmm. um, as a relationship manager. And then I joined the hedge fund um, and uh, was a uh, volatility and option trader as a hedge, in, in, in a hedge fund yeah. in based, based in Switzerland. Um, and then afterwards I went studying. So this is, this is, I think different, you can yeah. correct me when I'm different, wrong, yeah. um, because I then had the opportunity to build up or like grow the startup points and study part-time. Oh, you were studying part-time. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was studying part-time. This took me about four years. It was like a university education in the end, but it's just designed in a way that you can work and study. And that, cool. that was a pretty nice combination. So when were you going to, to the school? Like in the evenings or in the weekends? or? Um, it was on Thursday the whole day. Yeah. So I just had to like work on Saturday and Sundays as well mm-hmm. when, when building up, like growing a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then twice in the evening. Okay. And that was maybe like 7 o'clock until sometimes 9.30. Wow, so it was pretty late, but cool for me because I'm mm-hmm. really into, into working in general yeah. and passionate about what I'm doing. Yeah. So that wasn't a problem for me. Also, the studies itself was very interested which you have to be if, if you want to succeed in it because it's a tough, it's a tough uh, schedule. Yeah. Do many um, people in Switzerland... So this is um, not like a, uh, the university you went to is, is what we call University of Applied Sciences. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a vocational... It's, it's more a vocational um, university in the sense that um, it's um, m- not, not so much focused on research but more focused on, on mm-hmm. practical mm-hmm. things. Is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, pros and cons with it, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, definitely the pro was that, that I, for, I have one example I always use when I talk about it, um, which was I had a project management course and there was um, a professor and he was simultaneously or, or worked for, for a big um, airline company and was responsible for big projects like building airplanes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he taught us how to lead project. And at the same time, I had a project uh, with, with points, we tried to uh, integrate the Beacon Bluetooth technology um, into mm-hmm. our app so people can get, re- like get recognized when they walk into a store and right. maybe they get some notifications, whatever. And this was a project, like three big companies involved. So I had like, there was a coincidence, but I had <laughs> the theory uh, in school mm-hmm. and then the whole week I was really like applying it. And this was the best way for me to really remember what they tried to to tell me or to yeah, teach me. It's pretty cool, yeah. So that was, that was very nice. But the other thing that you mentioned, uh, which I also want to challenge here, is that 
they don't have the time to really go into depth in 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 any topic so they can't really like challenge conditional wisdom or theories let's say in economics or in business they are seen more as given mm -hmm. and then you apply these theories mm -hmm. and this was a tough one for me because i like to challenge and right. i like to to question the status quo right and this wasn't really possible really need to be um just there to to to, to apply these theories and and that's something that uh i would maybe yeah point out if someone would consider to do that in switzerland as well do um many people in switzerland go to um these do like on the job like work part-time and study part-time or like work full-time study part-time or is that like an exception what you did no it's like a big big chunk of of the population now go, goes in and does this as well because it's let's say um I mean, when you when you have to, I don't know how it is in the US, but when you have to decide what you want to do in life, mm -hmm. um, you're pretty young, right? Like yeah. 17, 16. And then they ask, like, hey, what do you want to study? Let's mm -hmm. do business. But you don't really have a sense for what is business. And mm -hmm. in Switzerland, the, the main path you choose is you first go on the job. Um, you can do it as, um, as I did in a bank mm -hmm. or just try it somewhere else. I don't know, like for a marketing company. And then if you find out that you're not into marketing or yeah. that you're more into psychology, yeah. you can still choose another path. And then like you do an, adi an additional school yeah. um, and then you go and study. So this is a path a lot of, a lot of people choose because you have um, more time to find out what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and you can still do it gaining some um, experience on the job. So you don't have to choose either I go to university or I work. You can do both. So with like 25, you maybe have nine years of experience on the job mm -hmm. plus a university degree. Um, and that's, that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty helpful. So you started working at what age then? Um, I started working at 17 yeah. um, at Credit Suisse for two years, finished when I was 19, kept on doing this like 21, then hedge funds, then startups, now I'm 29. So it's like 12 years or 11 years of, of on-the-job experience it's and cool. a university degree yeah yeah and i mean it's pretty impressive you're the chief operating officer of points and yeah. uh it's a team it's, of uh, how many people are you leading um i think it's about 20-ish 22 like this and it's impressive and what i have to say is i wouldn't know how i could do it successfully without any experience in other jobs what I do now. So I had, I had the chance to lead people since like I'm 24, mm -hmm. um, mainly also older people than I am. Oh, yeah. So you need somehow to prove that you're capable of doing this mm -hmm. if you want to have like a natural way of authority mm -hmm. and you need some kind of experience. And yeah. when you're like 24 and you've worked seven years, um, this gives you a chance to really prove that you have seen other things and, and know how to work actually. Yeah. Yeah. How is, I mean, how is it in the US with, with universities when you come out of the university and, and at what age and, and what can you do with that degree? Is it just like you start off with 23 in a, in a company and you've never worked before? Yeah, I mean, as you know, I'm also not, I didn't go to school in the US, but um, I think in the US it's more common to uh, go to high school and then go to, um, and then go to university directly where it's almost no work experience 
except maybe uh, in like an internship or like a volunteering thing somewhere. And after we're done with university, um, people, you know, started looking for jobs. Um, at what age is it? Like, so when you like, let's say you finish high school at 17 and then you go like four years to a university. So you're at 21, 22, okay. you do a master's, you're, you know, maybe 23, 24. Um, I mean, there are probably people that do a PhD for four years after that and like 28 and not worked a single day in their life at a, like at a company, you know, I mean, worked, of course, it's, it's not like it's easy, but, mm. um, not worked not have actual work experience. I mean, as, as we know, it's really different working at a company versus studying or working yeah. at, a, at a university. So, um, but you know, that's also what I did when I went to school in Switzerland. I, I never worked until I had my bachelor's at uh, when I was 22 years old. No, sorry. Yeah, 22 years old. So, um, sorry, 21, 21 years old. And, um, you know, in hindsight, um, I think... I might have been better off when I, if I had started working when I was like 16 or 17, like you, because like you, you finish high school and then you're like, okay, uh, what I'm interested in. And you have to choose like a major at university. Mm. And you're like, how do you choose that? You know, maybe you have some influence from your parents. Often that's the case or like mm. from your good friends. In my case, like my good friend, Val, he uh, like, okay, I want to go to St. Gallen to study um, business which St. Gallen is like a good business school in, in Europe. And um, I was like, okay, yeah, why not, you know? But like, I didn't really think it tr- true, you know, mm. because I didn't know what it meant. Um, um, I always wanted to become like a, a banker or like a mm. um, consultant at McKinsey or you you know, know BCG where, or something. Do you know where that wish came from? Like, um, I think, at you know, at, at the school I went to in St. Gallen, it's like... Um, like the first day they show you like slides okay after finishing this school you will earn this much and probably work at these companies okay, and literally forward. every person you meet either wants to become like a um like a um kind of like a financial analyst or like a um finance guy at a, at a big bank you know like goldman sachs or something and or um or wants to become like a management consultant and work at mckinsey and bcg or uh bain you know the big three um, and so like you don't even question it you just um, it's like okay well it looks cool you know oh I can earn a lot of money like, okay right after bachelor's when you're like 21 or 22 you will start off with a salary of like 150k and you know that's um, that's what they show the statistics um, it's just uh, the whole culture at that school and um, and it's like okay you know oh, okay I want to make a lot of money and then most people want to want to go that path um, in my case you know, in fact, I did apply to McKinsey and PCG in Bain, and I got rejected. <laughs> and you know then, what the um, reason was? Like, um, no, no work. Experience. I think, I think, Mc, like McKinsey, I got pretty far. I got um, almost to the last round of interviews. Um, so, like, I kind of like dropped out in the second last round um, of interviews, and they told me, well, they didn't think that I saw like the big picture in like because you have to, in the interviews you have to do um, like a case study. Mm-hmm. And apparently, they I didn't see the big picture when doing the case study. I'm like, okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> but you know, and then um, so how the McKinsey interview process worked at that time in Switzerland is like, in the more like first you apply, and then if you get invited, you go there one morning, and you have three interviews with like um, McKinsey employees, um, like back to back for like three hours um, case studies, 
and then um, you you eat lunch with like junior consultants that are not involved in the process of interviewing but you get the chance to mingle with them and like ask them questions and there I was um, sitting next to like one guy who I talked to and you know we kind of hit it off and then after lunch they tell you do we advance to the final round of interviews which is two more interviews with partners unfortunately you know I kind of like didn't make the cut and then um like okay thanks for coming you know have a nice day and then now it's okay and at the time the McKinsey office was at the Zurich airport mm-hmm. at the Reds and Blue Hotel so I took the train back to into the city Zurich and coincidence I was sitting next to the guy I had lunch with um during the interviews you know oh wow and he was like yeah I really like you um too bad you didn't make it but it was like but I'm, I'm looking for an um, entrepreneur to start um, a company I want to start in Switzerland. And he told me about it. It was um, a copycat of the, the U.S. Um, version of Birchbox, which is um, a, um, kind of like an e-commerce cosmetics oh. company that's quite, a, quite um, successful. What they do, what they do is um, they send you, um, once a month, they send you a box and um there are like four to five cosmetics products in there um so it's like a subscription so i ended up creating the company it was called glambox and then we ran for a year and then sold it to a competitor it wasn't successful like financially but um, it was a great experience and um that's how i learned that i like entrepreneurship and that's how i got also into coding so because we had like i had to like create our website and just like bought a book and learn PHP and then, uh, you know, MySQL and then um, kind of like figure it out. So um, that's why I'm like, okay. And, and since then I've been coding, you know, almost every day. And um, also for me then clear, okay, that I want to be, I really like creating stuff. I mean, then it's interesting or, or the question for me is, would the university that you were at maybe have almost killed your passion for coding? Like that if McKinsey would have chosen you, would you have gone a different path and maybe would have never find out? And if not, so if you anyway would have find out that you like coding, then why bother about the, the university education, right? In the end, this is what, I don't know, maybe I have to ask the question first. Like, what do you think, how much of the knowledge that you gained at university you still use now? Is it useful knowledge that you've like gathered there or you have like forgotten everything i mean just the first part of your question i, I think if, if i've gotten into mckenzie i most probably wouldn't be an entrepreneur hmm. or most definitely wouldn't be coding right now so um and yeah i think this is you know i think in hindsight was something good that i didn't get in and maybe they were right. Maybe I didn't see the bigger picture. <laughs> maybe I just wasn't a good fit. Um, so, um, and then, like what I know, like what I learned in university, as you know, like if you study business administration, it's a very general um, study. Like a, you know, like from the concepts I learned, I never kind of like apply something exactly like how I learned it but um, I think what it thought me is to have like a, um, a generalistic um, 
outlook on problem solving um, and not to be a specialist but um, to always see the bigger picture <laughs> and um, yeah I think that I learned that and kind of like maybe like maybe to hone my business acumen like my business intuition skills like you know I think kind of like I got a good intuition for businesses and decision making um, on a high higher level I think that's I probably learned that there but um yeah, if I were to study again with what I know today, I wouldn't choose business. I would choose um, engineering or computer science. And that's maybe, I mean, you, you, you talked about it before that you said that you were too young to really know what to do or that most of the time, like 16 year old, of course, they orient themselves um, looking at parents or, or, or I don't know, like what people show on a slide at university like this is how the world works and functions mm -hmm. and maybe if the, the the whole system would focus more on building your own opinion or focusing on finding out what's your passion understanding what passion means and i mean i had no idea of the concept of passion or mm -hmm. what this like the impact that it could have on my life i mean we talked about it was called che Bu, the the startup that daniel and i the like DJ for, booking yeah, exactly. platform and I said that I wasn't really passionate about it. I mean mm -hmm. we knew the concept from theory maybe but to really feel how it is to like put something on the line and risk something and invest money and then losing it and that you have to be passionate to risk that this is something you have to experience and 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 maybe the, the, the whole system should focus more on that because I mean if you would be at McKinsey now what a loss for for society would have been and and, and that's maybe and that's maybe something that we, we which we should focus on in general to really like show show the kids and and and, and young adults uh, how to find out to to like get to know themselves better and and and, and perceive or really want to to um, go forward in life doing what they really want to do uh well, first of all, that's a sentence I thought I'd never hear, <laughs> McKinsey. Um, second of all, I agree. So, the thing looking forward, um, if you like, if you look now at primary and secondary education, let's leave higher education out of it for now, like university. Let's look at like primary school and secondary school. Um, so you're saying it's kind of like key to teach kids um, how to find. What you're passionate about in 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 that in these in those years i mean i have to say this is maybe more of a personal comment as well like a perspective um if i look at my parents i mean they didn't have any university education my my father is is an artist kind of like paintings and sculptures and stuff like that mm -hmm. and then he earned some money with like being a taxi driver or or a business owner owning some like taxi business and and this is this was his main message to me and also of my mom like be yourself and pursue what you want to do they even tried to push me not to attend any more any more classes in school like we had some oh, yeah. voluntary classes and they were like why would you do that like you know everything like you mm -hmm. you have everything within you so why would you do that mm -hmm. and i was more i had to argue why i want to do more in school right so usually it's the other way around right? yeah completely yeah. so 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 that was very interesting for me to to have that battle like okay but in school they tell me this and at home they tell me this so i had to find out a way for myself to to um to to go on in school and be successful right or or, or good at school 
which I wasn't in high school <laughs> because I wasn't interested at all. I was just like into into uh, soccer. Um, but but that's the thing. So so the whole um, how you raise kids and the responsibility of parents is a big thing. But I think it's diff it's difficult for a society to push that through so that every parent knows that this is an important personality trait mm -hmm. that you can build your own opinion that you know everything on a like philosophical kind of standpoint mm -hmm. um and and that you can um, challenge the status quo and and there the school comes in right because school is also takes an important part of of raising kids i mean yeah, we were seven when we when we go to school in switzerland like mm -hmm. um, primary school and and therefore some more emphasis on um on building a personality that that understands uh, what it means to like live a life that we have to live and and um, have an own opinion and and choose your own path i think that's 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 a very very important thing however we want to do this i, I don't have the ready solution but but this is just like a, an important standpoint for me so let's say if you were to decide um, on how to change primary um, education and secondary education, um, like, you know, today it's like we teach, you know, how it works is you teach all the subjects that are pretty clear, like, like math and, and um, science and all the other subjects. And it's like the format is like one teacher, 20 or 30 students. And it's like mostly teachers talking, students listening, and then students doing homework or like worksheets in class. Mm -hmm. And then you have exams, um, kind of like to, to check on the progress of the students. Uh, in what ways would you change change that, that education system to accommodate what you think is important, which is, um, uh, you know, more focusing on passion? Um, maybe it's, it's more focusing on being able to building an own opinion um, mm -hmm. and challenging status quo because this is like a discussion then that you have with yourself because building an own opinion also means knowing what the opponent in a discussion for example or if you challenge the status quo like what the other side really wants so you have to build an own opinion meaning that you need to know what you really want mm -hmm. meaning you have to find out what you want which could be your passion right so mm -hmm. having an own opinion means also knowing yourself in a way right yeah um so like of course cosmos school is, is is a good example because you have it's it's with it's with other kids it's building something so as soon as people come together and need to find a solution for a problem discussions emerge right so mm -hmm. you need to you need to be able to articulate what what you want and what your idea is this is a great way of doing it so i think the linear way of um, teaching how it is right now so there is a teacher giving information to a consuming class kind of right mm -hmm. um yeah. it's very very old school and and outdated in my opinion yeah um because we didn't have the the resources back then when this whole system was created um so we invited invented this but now we know that you can also um, do that differently and we have the tools and resources so like discussions um group work building something together um uh more like presentations in a way where for example uh 
you have to challenge the, the status quo or challenge some opinions to really think differently and 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 then like go there and, 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 and tell the class what you think is right and what is not right. I think stuff like that really helps and it's more focusing on the individual and not on a topic like math. Mm-hmm. It's more on, on, on um, what the individual, the kid thinks uh, in, that, in, uh, in that very moment. I mean, question emerges, is a kid in that age able to do that? I mean, what, what's, what's your opinion on that? Do you think, you think a kid when it's, I don't know, like nine-ish, ten-ish, can have that kind of discussion? Because, yeah, it's pretty young mm-hmm. still, right? I mean, I think, yeah, that's a good question. Like, um, I think in like a, I think it's, yeah, I think it's intellectually, I think young people are intellectually capable of having um, kind of good debates or discussions. Um, but I think, as you said, they're not given the opportunity to have that, um, often by parents not, because like, you know, m- most parents raise their kids like, um, this is how it is and um, no discussion like you know why can't I stay up after nine and then it's like that's because I said so mm. and I don't have kids so I don't know I can imagine that like after a kid asks 30 times you just you know kind of like say this is crazy I don't want to argue with you anymore just this is how it is but um, and then at school also like if you're told what to learn um, each day and you just have to learn it and else you don't get good grades don't get good grades your parents aren't happy your teachers aren't happy you're told that you can't you won't amount to something in life so you just just follow the system but I think given the opportunity um, kids younger kids also can come up with creative solutions or creative debates and um, learn that skill which later in life is probably one of the most important skills I mean What's interesting is to look back in history and, and, and see some, some person, like, let's say, important personalities in, in history mm-hmm. and, and what they've done when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And it's a coincidence, but I'm reading now the, the biography from the German philosopher um, um, Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. And to see that between 10 and 14, he wrote about 80 poems and started to write his first novel. Mm-hmm. And when he was 24, he was professor at the university in, in, in Basel here in Switzerland, right? So, and then of course, you can say this was around that, like 1900. But still, mm-hmm. I mean, this kid was very smart, but this was status, like this was just how it was in terms of, I mean, he studied Latin and, and, and Greek and philosophy etc at a very very young age so it's kind of a combination between discipline a lot of work um and the belief that someone can in this young age can come up with an own opinion and 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 uh rephrase the world how it is right because i i'm mentioning this because you said it's nine o'clock now so you go to bed there is no discussion Mm -hmm. And I tend to um, think that discipline and also be hard with kids is, I also am not a father yet, but, but still, is, is also an important trait. So I don't see the school of the future being something like 
I don't know, any kid can do what it wants and and uh, can be creative and, and, and hang around and do stuff. I really also see it that there needs to be a certain amount of discipline and and, and get to know the most important things in, in science and like in all these topics yeah. like math and etc. But also able to apply it and have an own opinion about it and see that they can influence the world how it is and this is not a given system but something they can change. So it's, it's kind of a combination for me between hard studying and discipline, but also giving the chance to see that you can build your own opinion. And you think the discipline they need to learn by others, like by parents or adults, that people with authority that teach them discipline, or is that something they can learn themselves? Because, you know, because they have the right framework, the right incentives to, to be disciplined. I think it needs an authority. I don't think that a kid has, um, it's, not, it's not something that is built into a human being, that you're disciplined by nature. Um, I once heard that, that analogy with animals somewhere, like birds that can't fly anymore because they don't have natural predators, right? So right, yeah. they, they started to walk around. Yeah. So it, it, it's not built in by, this is it's not like an example that like, now you can like paint a full picture, but, but it's just, <laughs> To, to make a point that I don't think that discipline is something that is inherent with human beings. So I think it needs to be an authority. But it, the question is, can you scale um, parents or good teachers, right? Because when we think of, like when we talk about this, to have a nice system of how you want to raise your kids, we always think that parents and teachers are able to do that. But I don't think that we can do that at a scale. So how can you scale the right system, um, if you will, um, what we want to teach our children? It's, it's impossible to find all these great teachers that are able to have these discussions and really push individual kids forward and challenge them and and look after them that they have their own, own opinion. I think this is a pretty tough job. So I think technology is has great leverage. We have a huge task and opportunity in our generation to use technology to do that because this wasn't possible 50 years ago. It wasn't possible maybe 30 years ago to use technology to really scale these ideas, um, maybe even worldwide. But how can we use technology today to scale? good parenting or good teaching mm. um, I mean to find out if a kid is already at a certain level in math for example because you need some basics to have a discussion mm -hmm. right so you can't just like take a kid out of kindergarten and then it starts to discuss about math so you need to teach them right so a computer I would even say is more capable of finding out if a kid is at a certain level or not. Mm -hmm. um, a teacher does the same thing, right? He, he goes home and, and then looks at the, the exams and what he does is like cross off the wrong answers and take the right ones. Mm -hmm. And this is something the computer can do as well. Mm -hmm. And then you need the ability of the teacher to think into the kid and find out is this kid ready now or not. Mm -hmm. With 30 kids, it's impossible, right? To do it for each kid. Exactly. Yeah. So what you, you need to do is you, you just need some kind of steward or just like say, okay, these kids are ready now or not. So this is how the whole schooling system emerges. So first class, age, right? Math, 
if you pass this test, it's good. Then you can go on. Mm. If you don't pass, you're out. Mm. This is because you it it, it wasn't it was wasn't possible to, to to scale that kind of 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 uh, looking for the individual kid. And now you can test this. So to make it make a practical example is a kid can be very good in French and English and German, mm -hmm. but is maybe lagging behind in math. Mm -hmm. A computer can say, okay, this kid is ready for the next level in all languages, but needs some more support in math. Mm -hmm. Much, much better at the scale than a teacher. Mm -hmm. So this is maybe how, how technology could support that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, what you do at Cosmos School as well. The, the whole, I mean, it's, it's pretty tough to organize group work with 30 kids in every school all over, let's say, Switzerland, Europe, or even the world um, to go and build something together, right? This is mm -hmm. like a huge amount of work of planning and thinking of what you could do. And and if something like Cosmos School can just think of great ways to, to, to learn new things, like building a rocket on an island, what, what a cool thing <laughs> to do when you're, you're a kid, right? Mm -hmm. You can just scale that. You need to maybe change the, the language and, and that's it. And kids can just like join this island and build a rocket and, and let it fly. So this is, I think, how technology could like have a huge impact on, on how we uh, raise our kids. Yeah. Some good points. Um, I, I just want to come back to the topic of discipline. Um, like, I mean, there are like all these alternatives, alternative schools Right. Um, I mean, I think known ones like Montessori. Yeah. Where, yeah, I went to a Montessori kindergarten, actually. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Talking about it. <laughs> uh, and, and I think the kind of like a pedagogy of teaching, there is more like a, like a laissez-faire um, yeah. system where kind of like you just let the, the kids learn what they are naturally interested in. Yeah. And as I know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, compared to like a regular school, in air quotes, there is um, less discipline there. Mm -hmm. Like because you're like, okay, you're um, Rolf, <laughs> you seem interested in um, playing with sticks. Do that all day, <laughs> <laughs> everything will be fine. Mm. Um, you know, like kind of like, of course, this is a hyperbole, but it's like that's kind of like the philosophy of teaching there. When you're saying we need more discipline or like discipline needs to be taught by adults, is Montessori an example you would disapprove of or do you think that's a good school? Actually, I, yeah, actually I can't really judge because I don't remember kindergarten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I can't really, I can't really tell. I mean, we have also different kind of, of um, schools here. One is called Steine Schule. Yeah. It's uh, from, from, um, Rudolf Steiner, like his, his ideas that he had. It's the guy's name, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as far as I know, um, they also use kind of this this idea of that you can um, be more free and less authority, etc. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, because I see greatness also coming from hard work mm -hmm. and great discipline. If mm -hmm. you look at the best piano players on mm -hmm. this planet, if you look at the best chess players on this planet, um, they're very, 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 very hardworking. And of course, you, there is maybe one in a million kids that 
finds his passion straight away and just like dives into it and only does this. Yeah. But it, talking from let's say an instrument, playing an instrument or sports as well, like you know, you, you get taught from the first day when you enter this training or whatever that you need to work out to be successful. And your first instinct is, I don't like this. You maybe even start to cry. I don't want to do this. I don't want to play piano. I don't want to go to training again. I don't want to run in the morning. I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And then you need someone telling you that what you do now will like benefit you in the future. So this long-term thinking yeah. is something kids can't because they're too yeah. young, yeah. but adults can. Yeah. And this kind of transfer of knowledge is something that's uh, that's only possible by adults or, 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 or an adult authority, let's say, who who knows that this works, right? And this needs to be taught. Yeah, regarding long-term thinking, um, in my opinion, a lot of people just optimize their life for the short term. Um, a lot of stuff that you do um, is not, you know, um, doesn't have to have an immediate reward, but will make you better off in the long term. For example, Education is a topic that usually has a long-term impact. Mm -hmm. And the way like school set, is set up is like that you have a quiz or an exam and grades every couple of weeks or months or, you know, years. And you get, and your reward is the grades. Like, you know, okay, I've done good. I've done well. I've got like a, you know, 10 out of 10 or, or whatever. But once you're done with school um, and then you start working or, or whatever, mm -hmm. that um if you educate yourself the reward is not that immediate so let's say if you read a book each week or each month you know you, you learn and you kind of like know more but no one comes to you and say hey nikki i'm giving you a 10 out of 10 because you read that book so well yeah true. so the reward is not immediate but it will accumulate over time mm. over long periods of time two years five years ten years mm. and then you will see the difference but I think most people stop learning after school because, you know, they don't see the point. Mm -hmm. So how can we... Yeah, do you agree with that statement? Uh, yes, I just... I, I had one thought in mind. I'm, because I was asking myself, because I, I read every day and mm -hmm. I try to make it a habit or it's, 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 it's kind of a habit for me to just... Even if it's just like one chapter, but mm -hmm. just to read... And I ask myself if I do it because I expect a reward in the future or is it the intrinsic motivation of knowing things and, and want to know more and find out more about the world. So is it something, I mean, it, this is like, if you look from an outside perspective, definitely is true. So it's something long-term, like this doesn't give me like short-term benefit whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but that's an interesting thing, like to, to also discuss, is it something that, that gives you a reward in the future and you do it because of that? Or is it more about, again, like f finding a way to uh, be interested in things and have an intrinsic kind of motivation? Um, but, but to your question, um, yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely agree that the system, how it's built right now, is not meant to um, teach you how to guide your own way or find your own way right so because i i had that feeling when i when when i came out of school i still had soccer because this is like how suck this the soccer system is built it's also you kind of grow from 
level to level. So it's from you under 16 to under 18 mm -hmm. to under 21. And then you're like in the first league, right? So you also have a clear set of years and level and performance that you have to perform to really like get to the next level. Mm -hmm. When I, I got injured when I was like 19, so I dropped out of soccer and I didn't have like another school to do. So I was working for Credit Suisse back then. Mm -hmm. And then I had that feeling of, okay, what's next? Like, what should mm -hmm. I do? And then you start to look for the next level somewhere, right? And then what happens is you think by performing very, very hard or like working very hard, you get to the next level. Like that's the, the thing that you got taught, right? And then to find out that this is not only not the case, but it's even dangerous. Because I think then you end up being like 35 and you just worked your whole life in a job you're maybe not happy in. Um, and you thought that just keep on working makes you happier or gets you to the next level, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a very dangerous, very dangerous thing. So short, short question, long answer. Agree, yes. I think the system, how it's built right now is not um, good for really like finding out um, um, what way to go in life, yeah. And okay, so what, what can we do to change that? Mm. To get more people to think about the long term? Um, a good friend of mine, he's a um, um, criminologist in, in, uh, in, in Twente, um, yeah. professor for, for criminology. In where? In Twente, like University of Twente in, uh, in uh, Holland, okay. the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, and he, he, <laughs> he talked about a project that he had, like a science project that he had, a study that he did, um, where kids um, had to face their future self in a Facebook account and chat with them over a certain period of time. Um, mm -hmm. Because they, through this project, confront themselves with um, how their actions now impact um, their life in the long term. And how much I understood like why he did it was, there's also his theory that like, criminal behavior also comes from the inability of long-term thinking because you can't link mm. your actions today with the consequences in the future. Mm. So young sure. people in, in disturbed kind of circumstances also tend to um, develop the inability of, of uh, long-term thinking. And then he makes the example of prison, right? Where you have a very clear schedule. And of course, when you come out of prison, you're even more mm -hmm. uh, unable to do that. So away from prison to school, um, mm -hmm. I think we, we need to go new ways, like try new things to, to, and, and talk to scientists about how can we do that? Um, because I'm not an expert in how to like teach children these kind of things, but I, I know there are ways to, um, to push that forward, um, that, that, that kind of thinking. Is it through these kind of projects or, or, or more intergroup projects and, and, and uh, discussions and stuff like that to really confront yourself in a way like mm -hmm. more philosophy than, um, than linear um, teaching? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we definitely need to think about that. And I'm also not sure how to teach long term thinking because it seems. It's not a natural concept. It's like 
it's like an abstract concept for humans so it's hard to grasp um you know like why it's important i mean what what i'm wondering is i mean to be clear as i'm not an expert in in, in any of these topics what they're doing in this podcast <laughs> no it's just but i mean it's good to think about it because in okay. the end what we do is think about ways to change reality and have an impact on 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 the on the on the world we live in right mm -hmm. so this is kind of how i also view entrepreneurship by the way mm -hmm. um for me it's like an art to um mm -hmm. create something and peter Thiel said it like from zero to one right mm -hmm. to to create something and have an impact this is mm -hmm. like art right because there is nothing and then you paint something on a white wall and there it is a creation and very creative yeah it, it, it definitely is and you have like new organisms in in, in form of of companies doing mm -hmm. stuff so talking about problems thinking about solutions that's what we do and and then if we see there is a problem but not being expert in like the whole education system we definitely have to um disclaim that but nonetheless we we maybe can talk about the system right mm -hmm. is it possible to change it as it is right now because in switzerland it's very like state governed like you, you can't really have an impact on the education system itself mm -hmm. it's not privatized like private schools are too expensive yeah. for the, the average swiss citizen to apply so everyone goes because you have a very good school system everyone goes to like the the school that they can like go for free right mm -hmm. um so what can we do like what are ways to do it, it maybe mm -hmm. we just have to push the, the consensus forward that that there there is need to change something that we because there are experts in telling kids how to think more long term right mm -hmm. so i think it's just a matter of how can we do that mm -hmm. um yeah and you know just kind of like as a closing topic um uh how, how can we you know, looking forward into the future, you know, jobs changing, like requirements for jobs changing and the working force changing, the workforce changing. Um, maybe you can change also combine that with long-term thinking and saying today education is like the first 18 years of your life. Or, you know, if you start school at like four or something, kindergarten um, is just you learn, 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 learn. And then you just work, 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 work until you die. Um, so how, what if we say, okay, you know, take more the Swiss system and say, start working earlier, but education we kind of like do in parallel and we kind of like incentivize, how can we incentivize lifelong long learning? Because if we can incentivize lifelong learning, then you also incentivize long-term thinking, I mm. think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm. So can we change? Do we need really that separation of like primary, secondary education and then like higher education and then you start working? Or why don't you start working at 16 and then if you want to learn something, you go to school. If not, you don't. If you want to change your profession or your expertise or your speciality, you go to school for another thing. But you kind of like all become compatible with working you shouldn't be able to, it shouldn't be the case that you say oh now i have to start working for three years to another bachelor's um kind of like accrue a lot of costs and debt or whatever mm. and then apply for a new job 
like kind of like smooth everything out a little bit. That um, could be cool, no? Yeah, it, it definitely. Like, it, I totally agree with the idea that we have to like break up the the linear way of looking at education. Mm-hmm. Like, I go to school when I'm four or seven or whatever till 18 and then I go to work or study whatever to kind of break up that idea that this is how it works Mm -hmm. right I totally agree what I would challenge is the working itself right because when I think back to uh, my time at Credit Suisse and if any person from Credit Suisse is listening right now don't take (laughs) it as an offense um, but I would challenge that this influence would have like had a good impact on me as a young individual because environment is most of the time stronger than will. You can, if you're a young individual, you define yourself also, as you said, like how your know, colleagues act. So when I enter Credit Suisse and then you have people working there and they also have their values and maybe a Rolex watch and a Porsche is the thing they're really like striving forward to have. Mm-hmm. And then you apply that as well. If this is better than having a university education, I don't know. But what it was is the ability to challenge that status quo and truly think about, is this really what I want to do? Mm -hmm. And therefore I I agree with like breaking up this, this linear way of looking at it. And I think companies like Cosmos School and, and, and others could have a very nice um, or play a very, very important role to have the private, sector let's say creativity from entrepreneurs and the the democratic way of how the internet is built use that to um like coursera and also like khan academy and all all the other like Mm -hmm. possibilities to 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 get to know these these things and 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 gain more know-how through alternative ways of learning Mm -hmm. so maybe in the future these ways of learning become a competitor to like the um not the private sector um the public like the, sector yeah the traditional like, school exactly system. so yeah. that it's just it's it's a better service and yeah. parents and kids and young adults start to see that this is a beneficial way of finding your own things because it's there you can just use it you can click on it right so just the mere accessibility of these new um of these new forms of learning yeah. can like change the way um, kids develop in the future, and there we have long term thinking maybe also as one kind one one topic that maybe the public sector start to adapt when the private sector was able to really push it into the mainstream. I mean that's a good point. Right now you don't really have a choice when you send your kid to school. You you either go to a public school school or a private school. But in the end, it's like it's the same system, right? It's like one is maybe better or more expensive or both or neither of those. Um, so like it's the same setup, same kind of like thinking. Um, yeah, like what I think what we're doing with Cosmos School is giving choice, mm-hmm. like giving just giving options to parents and yeah. say, okay, this is also an option you can do this. Um, yeah, and I heard you uh, using the word access um, a couple of times, mm-hmm. like giving access to uh, to new ways of learning. Mm-hmm. And when we when we see at Gospel School how how uh, parents react to it, that they say thank you for that possibility or that option mm-hmm. that 
they can give their kids additional education if they maybe are also not happy with how the public sector is like teaching their kids. Yeah. This is fantastic, right? This is a very democratic way because parents can choose what they want. And the private sector is like really also has an incentive to be better than the alternative in reality. And this is a nice way because how it was in the past, like for my grandfather, my father, there was no competition whatsoever. They were happy. I mean, it was used to be a monopoly by churches and, and universities. Mm -hmm. And now you suddenly have the possibility to have competition from the US even because people speak English. So they, mm -hmm. they can just like use a program from, from the US. And this is fantastic because, um, we, I mean, there is also a dangerous part to it, right? Mm -hmm. but, but in the end, in the end it's, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think choices, usually having choice is good. Usually having options is good. And I think that's what you're trying to provide to Cosmos School. Um, and let's see. Well, um, I think that's a good ending. Um, Thanks. I, there are so many topics we could have talked about. Maybe we'll do a second episode later. <laughs> oh, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, thank you for being here. Thanks. And. Um, Thanks. Thank you.